Hey, Dad. 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 Hello and welcome to Dad Men. We are back. Hey, Brendan, are you there? I'm here, Ryan. Great to hear your voice. Great to hear your voice. And in fact, we I don't know that we actually have spoken to each other in the last 18 months since we last put our voices out into the world. But man, am I excited to be back. I'm what we what you and I have goes beyond mere verbal communication. <laughs> Ryan, we don't actually need to 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 talk to, to communicate, if that makes sense. We're like E.T., right? You and me. Um, and, I'm and Ellie. Every day. Yeah. yeah. That's right. That's right. And it's been, you know, it's been a year and a half, but it might have been uh, a day. It might have been a decade. Hard to say. Yeah. Hard when to you say. Get, time is a flat circle. It's all happening at the same time, all the time. Um, but we're back. And to welcome us back, since no one asked, we're back. Yes. Uh but I think it's probably good to do a quick check-in with all the craziness going on with the pandemic and sort of the state of the world. Um, for today, we're going to focus just on the pandemic uh, and sort of our family's reactions to that. But before we do that, let's go through, as we do every episode, what are the best and worst things that have happened? But usually it's in our previous season of the show, we talked about the difference of uh, you know what happened in between recordings. Uh, it's been a while since we recorded last. So that's right. What are the best and worst things that have happened in the last eighteen to twenty months of our lives? Uh, aside, oh my from, gosh! Aside from all the actual real world stuff in our little nuclear family units, what have, what what's good and what's bad? It so, is it is hard to remember. So I would love for you to go first, Brendan. Yeah. So uh, spoiler alert: I had more children. I had <laughs> a child. And uh, my son is a 10 months old. Uh, his name is Gus. We're going to drop the code names because I figured the jig is up. Um, but that's okay because Gus is here and he's, he's a good dude. He's just a good guy. He is a team player. He is interested in being part of the solution, not being part of the problem. He eats well, sleeps well. He's, good he's fitting in. He's fitting in. Fitting in. He's a great addition to the unit. Um, we were just talking about that last night, how well he fits in with me and uh, my wife and my daughter. So that's been great. It's just been wonderful. The worst thing that's happened to me in the last 18 months of our little nuclear unit is we moved apartments and moving just is the worst thing in the world. And we mm -hmm. breaking any news there, but um, moving the, just the prospect, the agony, the, the sleepless nights, the packing, everything it sucked a lot. So we have an apartment now that I love dearly. And it's one of those apartments that you can take away from my cold dead hands as far as I'm concerned. So we're not, <laughs> we're not going to be moving for a while, uh, which is thrilling to me. That's, that's good. I couldn't agree with you more there. Uh, we, um, we, we bought a home last fall uh, in San Francisco, which is, uh, obviously an extraordinarily uh, privileged and wonderful thing to be able to do. And uh, 
man, after moving four times in five years, I uh, couldn't agree with you more. So excited not to move again. Yeah. Um, I think the last time we moved uh, at various points in the packing process, everybody at some point, each person in the household spontaneously threw up, uh, including the cat, or maybe the cat's most most likely. But it's uh, it's a stressful event. It's a stressful, traumatic event, especially for little kids who don't quite understand what's going on. They just see all of the things going into boxes. Right, right, right. And I imagine the the family puke is similar to that scene in the Sandlot when they all sneak chewing tobacco <laughs> and then go to the carnival. That's that's the scenario. That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, it's, um, it's been, it's been a, a wonderful, uh, 18 months that I really had to rack my brain to remember anything specific about. I do know that, um, uh, it, we essentially welcomed our second Julia in that time. Uh, I guess she would have been around the last time we recorded, but, um, but not in any memorable fashion, right? In those first right. few disorienting months. Uh, and now she is here. She has arrived. She is her own spunky personality, um, different in wonderful ways from her brother, a real risk taker, especially physically, uh, which is something you have to watch out for. Um, you know, with Henry, we never, never once had to put uh, one of those sort of locks on the, the cabinet under the sink where all the cleaning supplies are. Uh, with her, if you don't pay attention, you'll come and she'll just be kind of like, sucking out of the nozzle of uh, some Windex. Uh, yeah. And, to be uh, fair, Windex is delicious. So I can't really blame her on it, that. It's, you know, of all the, all the products, it smells okay. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with you there. Yeah. Uh, but she's, she's wonderful um, and thriving. And that is definitely the, the best uh, new thing of the last couple of years. Um, the worst uh, more recently is that um, uh, for the life of me, we cannot, keep clothes on our children lately. Uh, I don't know if it's the pandemic, uh, it's being at home all the time and, you know, uh, uh, formal wear just being out the window altogether. But uh, any given moment, I will come across the threshold and one or both of them will be completely naked, uh, uh, which is why we, uh, as we'll talk about, um, ultimately decided to potty train Julia recently at a fairly young age, 20 months, uh, because Often enough, she would just rip off her clothes and her diaper, and it seemed like we had no other options. And then Henry, who for whatever reason kind of gets hot in bed at night and after bedtime will call us in late and be Donald ducking it in his bed, just completely naked from the waist down, which is really alarming when you walk into a dark room and your son is calling you and you go over to his bed and he's just butt naked and uh, you know, he's getting to an age where I just, I don't want to see it as much, you know, uh, yeah. poor kid. It's just not as adorable as a little baby, but it's still very cute, but I don't need to see it right. all day. Um, so th those are, those are the sort of highlights of, uh, our last two years. All right. So first part of the show, let's talk about how our families dealt with the pandemic both the sort of first early days and then in the in the height of it i guess you can make an argument we're still kind of in the height of it but um i think it's it's important to figure out like you learn a lot about how you react under pressure and how you are in front of your kids in high stakes situations so what do you for us, i'll just kind of give a, a play by play of uh let's say early mid-march to now um 
So we live in New York City, which uh, needs no introduction. <laughs> At the early days of the pandemic uh, was not a great place to be as far as COVID-19 was concerned. So when stuff started to get really serious around March 10 or 11th, uh, there were rumors starting to come out that the schools were going to close, the subways were going to close, the whole city was going to shut down. When we got enough evidence that public transit was not that great of an idea in general, we asked our uh, our nanny who takes the public transit to get to our house uh, to stop coming in. Um, just out of, I couldn't in good conscience say like, yeah, go and risk your family's life just to make sure that we don't have to watch our kids during the day while we work from home. So in the absence of childcare, um, we got to a point where that first week um, we sort of tried to hoof it out and, you know, I maybe took a day or two off, um, you know, just using vacation time. Uh, but by the end of that week, so we made the call on Monday to ask our nanny to stop coming in. By the end of that week, things had very, very, very rapidly deteriorated in New York City. Uh, oh, I, knew, I thought you were going to say in your household. Oh, no, our house was remarkably calm and put together. You know, at the time, Gus, you know, the baby boy, was, he's fine. He's, you know, he can't really crawl. I can't really do anything. And Ivy's pretty easy to entertain. She entertains herself. Uh, but in terms of do we want to be in the middle of New York City during this raging pandemic when it kind of looks post-apocalyptic outside? Um, the answer is no. So what we did was... Um, Aaron's parents, my wife's parents, uh, they volunteered to help us with childcare. Um, and they let us use their house uh, down in Delaware. So they basically gave us, you know, the keys and said, we'll, we'll meet you down there once we sort of respectively isolate so that we feel pretty confident that we aren't asymptomatic carriers when we get there. Um, and we said the same thing. We said, okay, we're going to, you know, isolate here, bunker down for a week until you guys get here. And then the day we left, Sunday, the 22nd of March, that's the day where the CDC gave guidance that uh, if you just left New York, you should not talk to anyone for two weeks because you, there's like a very strong likelihood that you're yeah. a carrier. Uh, so we punted out the grandparents coming uh, to meet us at, at, at their house and in, in Delaware for another week and a half or so. So I had to take all in total, I took probably three or four weeks off of work um, to be primary childcare because uh, my wife's job, uh, you know, my job is pretty seasonal. I work in HR and uh, my wife had a, quite a lot of work to do. Um, and she and just I gone was, back relatively recently, right? To the office. So she went back to work in early December. Um, okay. But she, so she was in the thick of it. She was fully ramped back after Gus was born, but. Um, I was just in a, a very lucky position to be able to take quite, quite a lot of time off to yeah. watch the kids before grandparents got there. So then from, let's say, April 15th, I think, is when Grammy and Grandpa showed up. Angel. Through, through uh, July 5th is when we just sort of lived uh, at a sleepy Delaware beach town. And uh, it was very, 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 very nice. And I will be repaying my in-laws for decades. I, I, I remember just tracing the transition on your Instagram of Ivy on the beach in a winter jacket and a knit cap to Ivy on the beach and shorts and a t-shirt. Yes, it's, uh, she, it's very weird being on what is ordinarily a very 
popular crowded beach when there's literally nobody else. Like you look down the horizon, you see no one. You look the other direction on the beach, you see no one. I had that experience many years ago going to a bachelor party in Atlantic City in February uh, and renting a beach house. And, uh, you know, Bethany sounds much nicer. Uh, it was not nice in Atlantic City on the beach in February. Yeah, I, I, I could see where, where that comes from. That comes a little different. Uh, but that was sort of our reality. So when we were down there, you know, we had a pretty tightly choreographed uh, system where for X hours in the morning, the in-laws would, would watch the kids when they were awake. You know, Gus is still napping twice a day. So in the mornings, it wasn't that big of a deal because he would just basically sleep from like 9.30 to 11.30 in the morning or something like that. Um, and then Ivy was doing this like kind of Zoom preschool class thing um, as a continuation of the, you know, five days a week, uh, you know, in-person, you know, 90-minute class that she did at this community center where we, where we belong. Uh, and like, you know, distance learning for a three-year-old is not a thing that exists. Yeah. Uh, it's not like she could really do her homework and come armed with lots of questions for the teacher the next day. Yeah. It was and, just a lot. And does she also still nap? Does Ivy also still nap? She does. Yeah. She takes one nap in the afternoon, early afternoon. So we usually put her down around one thirty or two and then she sleeps until three, three thirty, four o'clock, something like that. So, so, so there, uh, Gus and Ivy were uh, in the same place we were a little while ago, shifts just passing in the night during the daytime. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't see a lot of each other except around lunch. Um, but some days I would work until 4.30, 5.30. Uh, Aaron was and still is generally more busier this time of year than me. So we were lucky that for most days I could sort of tap out for my in-laws around 4.30, 5 o'clock every day. And then if I needed to, I could pop back on and keep working after the kids went to bed or after dinner or something like that. But that was that was kind of it. And so we came back to New York City a week ago, um, uh, five days ago. It's Friday. We're recording this on a Friday. Came back this past Sunday, and it feels phenomenal. To come Does back. it? Well, I yeah. know uh, I know your in laws uh, may be among our ten listeners, um, but but how was that uh, being together for that length of time? It was it was overall, from my perspective at least, it was it was very good. Uh, I personally get along famously with my in-laws, I think the world of them. Uh, so I wasn't, it's going to sound like I'm just saying this because I know they're listening, but it really, truly, <laughs> I, I wasn't concerned about like, oh, geez, we're going to end up killing each other um, because they're both just such generous, big hearted people. Obviously there's little annoyances with every roommate you ever have in your life, but right. not, not enough to, to sour any kind of or appreciation for, for all the stuff they did for us. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, our, our sort of early pandemic experience, I think like a lot of people early on, it was, you know, obviously so disorienting. Every day felt like the first day of something, the first day my office was closed, the first day the daycare was closed. And, and it just very hard to know what to expect. Uh, our offices closed, mine and Allison's, the first week of March. We spent uh, kind of a, a blissful uh, week or so uh, working from home together while the kids were still at daycare. Um, and that was kind of nice. Um, and then their daycare closed the second week of March. Um, and we spent the next six weeks 
shuttling back and forth between San Francisco and my in-laws place uh, about 30 minutes south of here uh, in Half Moon Bay, um, where they uh, extraordinarily generously provided us uh, three days of childcare every week. Um, and then Alice and I would split the other two days. Um, and uh, they, um, that's, uh, you, you may remember that place where Alice and I got married. Uh, where where she where she grew up, um, it's it's just a beautiful home and um, uh, land around it. And um, every day, uh, my uh, extraordinarily generous mother in law would would make lunch for us and the kids. And um, it was uh, it was fantastic. Uh, you know, it it was it was weird, but it was this way of coming really close together and them spending this incredible time with their grandkids. Um, but ultimately, um, you know, we knew once it was apparent that this was going to go on for a while, we knew we had to find uh, a longer term solution. Also, because Alice and I were still um, uh, working four days a week and that that was not going to um, be able to continue without making some bigger sacrifices at work. So we did that for about six weeks. Um, and uh, when it was obvious that their daycares were not going to uh, reopen anytime soon, we um, we went out and um, and found and, and hired a wonderful uh, nanny who had been referred to us by um, uh, Julia's previous nanny before she went to daycare. Um, and she has um, talked about sort of perfect fits. Uh, we, we all seem to work so well together. Um, and it felt uh, just more doable to sort of um, decide on a work relationship with someone after the pandemic had started when, you know, we asked her questions about how she and her partner were social distancing. She asked us questions about who else we were seeing and we could all kind of, um, agree on that, uh, you know, up front. Um, yeah. and, uh, so we, we made the transition back, back to home in, in the city, um, where, uh, for a while, uh, we worked out of respectively our bedroom and myself in the garage, which was okay, uh, except for when the kids would come through or um, the cat would use the litter box behind me in the middle of a call. And yeah. well, you know, that you're in her office, so <laughs> that's exactly yeah, yeah. I am, was definitely in her space at that point, uh, and she made sure to tell me uh in in the ways cats communicate with their their bodily functions uh, and uh holds eye contact the whole time yeah. like of course, I, yeah. this was this was behind me so i could yeah. i could see on the zoom with the video looking at me her behind me looking at my back uh, yeah very well, very forcing, unsettling forcing subordinates to watch their boss go to the bathroom is a Lyndon Johnson move. I think that that's right. Stolen. that's right. Uh, that's right. Yeah. And I, you know, of course my coworkers would notice it before I would and could disable the camera. Um, but uh, we have settled into quite a routine here and, and that was temporary. While my father-in-law who is um, late in life, a master builder of, uh, platforms and uh, small structures, essentially tiny houses, um, went ahead and built um, this sort of six by eight office pod. You might call it a shed 
here in our backyard, but um, it's got windows on three sides, uh, French doors. It's um, a really actually glamorous uh, pandemic office, kind of a garden office that is too good for any one person to get all, the, all to themselves. So Allison and I trade off uh, who is out here on a weekly basis. So uh, on Monday, uh, I will be um, toting my, my laptop and my peripherals into the bedroom uh, where I will um, then not see uh, the sunlight for, for a week because when you work from home, you have no reason to go outside. And that, that is what, what happens sometimes in the course of a day when you're the person working inside. So that's, that's our setup. Uh, you know, the, everyone uh, in, in our privileged situations can look for silver linings. Our silver lining is that um, I see the kids every day at lunch now. We, we have lunch together um, and I might read Henry a book, put him down for his nap, and then go lay down on the chase lounge in the yard um, and pretend like I'm going to take a two-hour nap as well, but actually just get up five minutes later and go back to work. Well, you know, shoot for the job you want, Ryan, not the job you have. That's right. So next we're going to talk about how our kids are doing. Um, a lot has happened. Uh, they get older by the day, it seems. Uh, and that is certainly true with uh, my kids. Um, Henry, you know, has just uh, gone from being a toddler to a boy. Um, he is uh, developing just uh, a, such a rich personality um, and uh, really developing that um, inner monologue that, you know, obviously isn't as apparent in a, in a, in a baby or even a toddler. Um, all of a sudden, there'll be times where I'll notice that he just hasn't been around for five or 10 or 20 minutes and find him leaping through a book on his own in his room or uh, wanting to be by himself for a minute. Um, He's so perceptive. He, he sees his mom and dad struggling with the, you know, daily ups and downs of anxiety and concern for what's going on in the world. And uh, will look at me when he knows that I'm stressed sometimes and they'll say, Dad, I know it's wrong. And kind of put his palms up and say, coronavirus. And he's <laughs> so right. It, you know, even if in the moment it is not that that particular thing that has set me off on a sort of a stress storm, it is that right that 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 hangs over all of us right now, and and it's just amazing to watch him grow up and start to see what others uh, understand what other people are thinking. Um, on the other hand, uh, with that comes uh, I think some new uh, sort of uh, neuroses, some ticks that also have kind of risen up in his personality. So at the beginning of the pandemic, he actually um, was, uh, he's always had a habit of kind of twirling his hair uh, as, a, as, a comforting as a comforting mechanism. Um, and it developed uh, recently into actually pulling his hair out and he wouldn't even notice it, right? He'd do it while he's watching TV or sucking on a bottle of milk. Um, and early in the pandemic, Allison had the great insight that neither of us have the capacity to deal with this and so she just buzzed his hair off and that actually seemed to put an end to that um it moved on to biting his nails um and 
that is okay. Uh, you know, if he wants to bite his nails, I'm not going to bother getting in his way. Um, but you know, that, that sort of, uh, interesting kind of, uh, development, you know, the good, the good comes along with the, the things that you can start to see maybe, you know, you know, could be something he does his whole life. Hard to, hard to say. Um, Julia, uh, on her side, um, her strong opinions are really coming through now, uh, in full sentences. Um, she loves to, to dance. She loves to listen to music. Uh, if we play some music. And at this point, if it is anything but Baby Shark or Roar by Katy Perry, uh, she'll say, I don't like this song. And, and just this week, she finally commanded Alexa for the first time. Um, and so now finally she can pick her own music, which is either Baby Shark or Roar by Katy Perry. Um, so that is, you know, the good and the bad of, of your kids getting verbal that way. Um, I'm still not sick of Roar, though. I'm very sick of, uh, of Baby Shark, but Roar still still gets me my blood pumping, which is good. Uh, and then the big thing for Julia is she is potty trained. As I mentioned at the top, she is, uh, had at the beginning of the pandemic started ripping off her diaper. Um, and the first time she pooped in the potty, I think the feeling was so different than doing it in a diaper that she gave a little yelp in, in that fashion of it scared the shit out of her. Which yeah, is, uh, I believe, a pun, Brendan. That is, yes, I'm just consulting my Merriam-Webster dictionary. Yes, that is a pun, correct. A play on words, double entendre. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it is a very, very weird thing to ask. Like, hey, you know this thing that you kind of like doing that you've been doing multiple times a day for two years? Do it very differently. <laughs> it's, it's a little shameful and it's private, but I'm going to be looking at you in you and, you know, staring in your eyes while you do this. <laughs> well, she early on, she she doesn't know, understand the privacy aspect yet. So she will demand you keep her company no matter how long it takes at this point um, and will indeed give you company when you are perhaps seeking some privacy uh, because she wants to celebrate you, too, just as we celebrate her. It's, it feels nice to have that kind of community engagement. Just, <laughs> it feels nice to be supported and be seen. What about you, uh, Brendan? How, how are Gus and Ivy doing? So Gus is blissfully too young to know anything. The only thing that really affected him was a lack of seeing anyone other than the same four people for three months. So we visited my parents um, for, for a week. And Gus had not seen Nana and Papa since probably earlier in the year. Like it had been months and he's not that old, right? That's like 40% of his life right. had gone without seeing Nana and Papa. And when we showed up, he was very unhappy to see them uh, because <laughs> they were complete strangers to him. He had completely forgotten, but now he's warming up to people. Uh, he's back. He's, he's just good. He's a good guy. You know, he's a, he's a good utility player, right? Um, Ivy is probably old enough to internalize the concept of people are sick and we need to be careful, which she kind of knows. We sort of let her dip her toes into that, but I think we've shielded her from a lot of the reality just because it's almost, it's almost easier for her to sort of skate through this, not knowing yeah. the, like the nuts and bolts of what's happening. 
So, you know, we spent a few months at Grammy Grandpa's house. That was great. Um, she seemed to have a, a pretty good time getting used to the new reality down there. She's very happy to be back here. Um, but as far as it, her affecting her, we noticed, and this is, may have been just a manifestation of the uncertainty and all the change, but she'd had a little bit of a stutter for four or five months before, uh, or longer than that. It was, it was over six months um, before we went down to Delaware. And then when we got down there, it really got bad. Like she, she had a, quite a lot of trouble speaking. Mm. And we were really concerned. We were talking to our pediatrician. We put out a bunch of feelers with speech therapists. And our pediatrician said, like, listen, it might seem pretty bad. Um, most kids grow out of it. And I think as long as she's not aware that she has this problem, it's not really that much to worry about. Yeah. Which is like not just like not satisfying at all to hear. Like, what right. do you mean? She, what, but what if she doesn't age out? You know? So yeah, right. we decided to kind of let it ride, see what happens. And in like the two or three weeks before we came back, it, it just got, you know, so much better. And so now she's back on, uh, she's always been very, very verbal in general. And now she's just very talkative, very inquisitive. She's always, she's always has been, but, um, She's, that is so interesting. So yeah, I, scary and but you know fascinating. It, I I feel like if you can if you can get past your initial fears about the weird things your kids are going through, so much of making it better is not ignoring it, but just not harping on it. You know, to the point where they're stressed about it. Right. And as someone who I have a terrible poker face, I have <laughs> such little true self self control with myself on anything that I'm worried it's going to bleed onto my kids. Like I, if I spill, like I, I overreact to the most meaningless things in life and Ivy has started to pick up on that in a pretty big way. So it's on my list of things to prove about myself is to just pump brakes because she feeds off my bad juju that I'm putting out there sometimes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, but overall, I think we did a pretty good job of making sure she felt okay the whole time. Um, the thing that I was worried about which hasn't seemed to borne that much fruit, which is nice, is that she didn't like see, didn't see another child for like 10 months. Yeah. I mean, uh, 10, 10 weeks, excuse me. There's literally no other children in this place where we went. Um, and even if she saw one at a distance, she couldn't go play with them. So when we finally got a chance to have Aaron's parents' neighbors in Delaware, their granddaughter showed up and she and Ivy became the fastest and best of friends playing on the beach in a relatively social distance way. But like, and, and that's another thing that we came to realize over the course of three months is that you have to be okay with kids. You have yeah. to be okay taking measured risk with contact and social distancing. Totally Otherwise, agree with you. It's going to go insane and you're going to go insane. So yeah. playing outside at the beach when it's a windy day with other kids, is fine, right? Like there's that non-peer-reviewed study from uh, from China or, or some other early country where like, you know, there was almost no direct link to contacting coronavirus outside. It, indeed, uh, uh, prior to our daycare shutting down, someone in our household had been sick with a, you know, run-of-the-mill cold at any given point for four or five months straight. In the last three months, we have never had a run of health like this since our kids were born again in our, you know, exceptionally privileged situation. Uh, 
nobody's getting sick in our house for the first time in since since our son was born and it is uh i like that that's a nice change so brendan i thought we could um next play a little game we've been playing around our dinner table every night um two games in fact the first one is called two reels and a pretend and this is something we've been doing with henry uh me and allison each night where the person will state three things that happened to them that day or in our case any time over the last two years and it is up to the other people at the table to guess which one of those things was pretend so if that makes sense, any questions, I'm going to throw it to you to kick us off with two reels and a pretend. All right. So in no particular order, here are three things that happened. And it's up to you to decide which are real and which is pretend. Uh, the first thing is that my son, Gus, he has three gnarly cow legs on his head. His hair is like, completely uncombable. <laughs> um, the second thing is that Ivy recently has taken an interest in going to the potty by herself and she got a little too enthusiastic and accidentally wiped her butt with her own dress while she was still wearing the dress. Um, that was fun. And then the third thing is that Ivy loves uh, Peppa Pig, which is arguably the best children's uh, television programming that is around. She loves it so much yes. she thinks Peppa Pig is real. And we just haven't met her yet. <laughs> those are those are good. Now, uh, if you if you play like us, someone always messes up and gives either three. Well, three real things is, is the most common foul up. So I'm hoping that hasn't happened here and I have zero chance of getting it right. But I'm going to take a guess. And uh, three calyx just doesn't sound plausible. So I'm going to say that is the pretend. Uh, I'm sorry, that's real. Gus has three. Calyx. He has one right here where like most men have like in the you know temp you know where like most men our age have receding hairlines gus has a nasty calic there that makes you only able to part it to one side but the real coup de gras is the twin hurricanes on the back of his head <laughs> which give him this like 24 7 alfalfa thing <laughs> sticking up. like if you don't like if he had long hair he would look like russell brand is what this is it just sticks up square in the back like it's a horn so what then was the pretend uh ivy doesn't as far as i know think papa pig is actually real but she did wipe her butt oh i should that, that i should have guessed that she probably yeah. knows animated characters are not real well she she wants to do all the things that they do so it's yeah. as real as it is you know as as like a point of inspiration for her but i don't think yes she thinks we, we enjoy peppa pig very much we also re recently enjoyed bluey quite a lot Oh, I feel like we can do a whole episode on good and bad kids TV. Yeah, I, that, that's a great idea. Um, all right, I've got I've got two reels and a pretend for you. Um, the first is that we have been uh, raising caterpillars uh, recently in our household, um, okay. and most recently, our first and biggest caterpillar uh, was uh, at that time ready to form its chrysalis. Uh, and become a beautiful butterfly. And the kids were so excited. Um, but as it tried to anchor to the top of the lid, it fell into a um, pile of its own uh, poo and died instead. Uh, and that happened this week. Um, the second is that um, 
recently, uh, Julia fell, as she often does. Uh, that girl falls more than uh, fill in the, the Mad Libs. I don't, know, I don't know what the rest of that sentence is. Um, but, you know, she's just moving quickly. Uh, and um, uh, chipped her front tooth, uh, which I uh, gather is how she will now be until that tooth falls out and she gets a new one. Um, and then the third is that um, Margot had a near-death experience uh, due to bladder crystals, um, which can be fatal if not passed, uh, and they block you from peeing. Um, and, so Margot uh, Margo is a cat. Is Mar that... Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, I should have specified yeah. this is a cat. Okay, yes. No, my aunt Margot, who lives with us. So. My aunt Margot, who is the one that's peeing in my office shed. Um, uh, okay, so you got suicidal caterpillars, maybe. You got chip tooth baby. And you have kidney stone cat. Um, I'm going to say that bladder, no, the, the expression bladder crystals is so good that it has to be fake. I think the bladder crystal thing is fake. It's pretend. So I've gone ahead and screwed it up. They were all real. What? Oh, I screwed it up. You sneaky man. Oh. Well, it it's nice. Even, even after I said that, it wasn't on purpose. I was like, well, I was going to say that that one actually happened like a year ago. But ah, well, I'm going to start using the expression bladder crystals anytime. It's real. I want to like get out of a meeting or some obligation. I'll just say I have bladder crystals and it's so like the mind just reels to fill in <laughs> like what, what affliction causes bladder crystal. And let's be clear at the tune of $2,500, we were not going to surgically remove these bladder crystals. Uh, it, she was facing the end of her road, um, but uh, good for her managed to pass them on her own and is still here with us today and thriving. Yeah. She's on her seventh or eighth life, I think, already. That's right. That's right. All right. So with the last part of the show, we want to get a little sentimental here. And I've stolen this from, from Ryan. It's another thing that his, his family does uh, in the evenings. Is, yep. is you, you, Each one in the family goes around and, and says five feelings that they're feeling. It can be happy. It can be sad. It can be about anything. So I'm going to start. And uh, right now, I'm feeling happy. I'm very happy to be back in New York. I'm, being, I'm happy to be back in as close to the routine that we had in our life before the pandemic. So that just, it feels great. Even though it's disgusting, humid New York summer, um, it's still home. So that's great. And New York feels so, good. It seems like uh, you really turned it around. So yeah, New York, okay. is, uh, New York is just firing on as many, many cylinders as it can muster these days. But uh, I'm happy to be back, but I'm also tempered with a little sadness that it's not the same New York that we could leave. So yeah, it's just, it's depressing to see like the windows still boarded up from anti-riot concerns and like garbage all over the place. And uh, just general, not, it's not depression, but it's like, no one's, just chipper out on the street, you know? Right. Uh, not, not that often. There's a lot of people skittering around in mass. Um, the playground is ironically, like usually the most annoying and stressful part of the city. And now it's the happiest as the kids. Are the playground's there. open. Playgrounds are open. They sure oh, are. Wow. They are a, such That's a wonderful. Um, I'm also feeling 
my third feeling is that I'm hungry and we ate very, very well in Delaware. Uh, so we don't have the amazing leftovers, uh, nor do we have the amazing um, deli chicken salad from the deli across the street from my in-laws house. Uh, so I'm a little hungry. Uh, I'm also caffeinated. I'm feeling very caffeinated because there's a lot of coffee in this house now due to a shipping malfunction where I ordered bags of coffee from this New York roastery that I really like. And it got lost in the mail from Astoria down to Delaware and they shipped it back to our apartment instead. So when we got here, I have a King's Ransom of coffee in town. Um, and then the fifth feeling, as I'm feeling kind of hopeful-ish for the future, I think both in terms of what my family will have, we, you know, we feel good. We've made some steps to make sure that the next six months have some kind of plan. Um, I'm hopeful for New York to come back. TBD on the rest of the country, but in terms of the point of this show being, it's not our job to sort of talk about the big things, is to talk about the little nuclear unit. And I feel pretty hopeful for yeah, I think. Yeah, um, a lot of that, a lot of that, um, I feel too. And I, um, uh, my most recent sort of round the table, the dinner table with Allison and Henry, sharing our five feelings. I shared that I was, as I often am these days, just so uh, overwhelmed by love for a family unit. Um, seeing uh, Henry and Julia grow tighter and closer together from just being stuck in close quarters together, each other's only sort of play pal. And that they're just, you know, Julia's getting older and, and kind of catching up enough to be able to serve as some source of entertainment for Henry. Um, we've just loved seeing them grow together. Um, and, uh, you know, We've definitely at times been at our worst, but I think as parents uh, and as a couple, Alice and I are often at our best uh, in this environment where our kids are really seeing us a lot more than they used to and, and depending on us. Um, but, you know, I think as with probably most people that comes with a lot of uh, stress and weariness and anxiety, I cannot remember a day I finished and didn't feel just totally worn out. Um, and in ways that, you know, um, uh, are familiar because you always feel that way when you have two kids under four, um, you just are going to feel tired at the end of the day. Um, and then in ways that are just fueled by an, that extra element of stress about sort of the fate of your, your city, your community and, and the world around you with what's going on right now. Um, and so I felt a lot of that and, uh, Henry and Allison both will tell you that, um, a decent amount of the time, uh, probably at least once per day, I am a total raging asshole around the house. Um, <laughs> and that's, uh, not something I'm happy about. And, uh, to your, to your point about a list of, of things to improve on that is in my, that is in my H1 feedback, uh, is, um, stop being a raging asshole. Uh, you know, we're, we're all in this together. Um, but ultimately at the end of the day, I am just feeling, I, you know, I have, I identified some time ago, gratitude as a, as a, a virtue or a, a feeling that I want to have, uh, believe that I should have, but just don't come by all that easily. And, you know, this pandemic has made feelings of gratitude uh, right on the surface. Um, so apparent given the um, depressing contrast between my life and the lives of uh, people less fortunate than me. 
but with that comes just tremendous gratitude for my family, for uh, Allison who cooks us lunch every day and dinner every day, uh, to um, my beautiful kids and uh, um, so many other things. Uh, my in-laws who took care of us and still take care of us a lot of the time. Um, yeah, and and ultimately that everybody in my family is healthy. And, and uh, that's ultimately sort of the biggest fear um, and the biggest thing that I continue to be thankful for as long as um, the people in my life are, are so far, um, no one has gotten horribly sick. Uh, so hoping that continues. Um, and uh, Brendan, I'm just so glad to be back here with you uh, chatting again. Uh, it, it is, it's, it's a wonderful thing. And we kicked off the show by mentioning this, that we have, I don't want to call it a, a telepathic bond, but we have a, a, such a connection that defies English description um, that I have no it, words. even though we are in constant contact on a spiritual level, it feels nice to, to see your face and to hear your voice. Likewise. Likewise. Uh, as, as the normies do, as the, the regular hoi polloi talk to each other. Um, well, with that, right, I think this is this has been lovely. And we have good news for you, six listeners, is that we will be back with more. We'll be talking about everything Raising Kids 2020 has to offer. Stay tuned for much more. Uh, and Ryan, you have a wonderful rest of the week. You too, Brendan. <laughs> <laughs>